Hello and welcome to another episode of Sports Unite Podcast. This is uh, another one of those special episodes. Back when we first started this podcast, it was talking about the goodness of sports, how it unites everyone together. We've branched out into a lot of different ventures. And now it's time, I think, with everything that's happening in the world, uh, we go back to kind of the the segment that started it all, uh, and that's stories that unite us all. So this episode is dedicated to these stories that just make you smile, make you happy, uh, shows the power that sport has on the world, on individuals, on nations, and show that everyone not just athletes or people involved in the sport, how you can hear a story and understand exactly what is going on through everyone involved. And uh, to do that, to join us, we have a few of your favorite guests. Uh, Thank you for coming on the podcast, Charles and Kenzie. Always a pleasure to have you. Happy to be here, buddy. Me as well. Thanks again. And if you hear any jingling in the background, that is our very special guest, the podcast cat, uh, Midnight in the background, always wanting to be part of the production. She really runs the the whole show. And uh, the reason why none of us get a paycheck, because it just all goes to treats for her. We're going to take turns uh, talking about our favorite stories of the past little bit, just to cheer you up, make you have a smile, maybe make you uh, interested in learning about an athlete or a sport or a situation that's happening. Uh, Something to research, to get your mind off of whatever is maybe troubling you. And uh, why don't we uh, hand it off to Charles first? What is uh, something that you want to talk about? Uh, we were talking a little bit about this one off camera just before we started, and I think it's probably one of the biggest stories, at least in Canada, when it comes to the world of sports in the last nine to ten months, has been the play of our entire national soccer program. Uh, it is called The Beautiful Game, and even though I'm a hockey fan, soccer is the most popular and most played sport in the world. And But it had, it's been one of those sports in this country that hasn't really mattered for generations it's never been a sport that really mattered here but that has changed in a very dramatic fashion even to like for for everyone that I talked to uh it was it was starting even before the summer olympics you know the there was a lot of hype around the canadian men uh who as recently as only a few years ago were ranked like 125th in the world and weren't even assured of the guaranteed host spot in the world cup which north america is hosting in four years time after this year's tournament in Qatar. Uh, but suddenly the men started winning a few games. They started having good showings and they started making semifinals in small tournaments here and there. And as you know, a lot of people know, our women kicked a lot of ass at the Olympics this year and brought, brought home a gold, beating our biggest rival, the Americans in the semis. I think they shut them out one nothing. It was a, a goosebump-inducing moment. I'm still getting goosebumps from it. Um, and I'm like, I'm smiling right now as I'm telling about it because it's just an, an incredible feeling. And then our men and the World Cup qualifying have they are the only unbeaten team in the whole Concacaf pool. 
they're the only team that hasn't lost a game. Now I'm going to knock on wood and say that because God, I don't want to jinx it. Uh, but they're like one or two points away from qualifying for the World Cup for the first time in pretty much most of our lifetimes. Um, I was still a couple months away from being born the last time they made it in 1986. So, you know, there, there's a good chunk of the world that's never seen Canada play on the, on the world's biggest stage and the world's biggest soccer tournament. And they are right on the doorstep of making that happen this year as that tournament, as that uh, qualifying tournament kicks off, uh, resumes, I should say, resumes at the end of this month. Uh, it, every time I talk about it with somebody in this, in this country, uh, whether, you know, my friends here in Ottawa, friends out west, out in the Maritimes, doesn't really matter. The, the energy that in the conversation suddenly just goes up by an immeasurable amount. It's insane uh, how much passion it's united. And Justin, you were out there for at least one of those games in the freezing cold in Edmonton, weren't you? Uh, yes, I was. It was worth every pain-suffering moment. <laughs> I mean, that, that just shows you to the passion that Canada has when you can bring 40,000-plus people in minus 25-degree weather for an event that's not a hockey game. You know, the, the stories are legendary from the first outdoor game in, in, in 2003 of how cold it was, but this was just as cold, pretty much. As, as that legendary hockey game, but it was for a soccer match. And, man, I, I was watching that game on TV, and that built, that arena was just electric. So I, I think that's got to be, for me, outside of everything else in the world, especially with what's been going on in the world the last couple of months, that has got to be the one thing that just keeps me smiling is seeing a game that really for 40 years didn't matter here. And suddenly the growth and the homegrown stars like Alfonso Davies um, and, you know, obviously Christine Sinclair on the women's side, one of the most legendary figures to ever uh, lace up a pair of cleats and play on that, on that pitch. And there are, there are stars, there are heroes. It is, it has brought this game to a, a height never probably even imagined in this country. Well said. I mean, I got goosebumps just listening to that. Uh, my first story, because uh, why stop, start at, uh, you know, stop at one, uh, it has to do with uh, the Olympics that just ended. Uh, everyone loves a good uh, story. That's what the Olympics are all about. Sportsmanship. There's all every single time there's at least one story that comes out. And uh, this one takes place in the cross country skiing area uh in the 15 kilometer cross-country race uh which to some people sound oh 15 kilometers no big deal uh yes it is especially when they do it in the amount of time uh that they finish with uh you're on only kilometer two so the gold medal champion uh Ivo Niskanen from Finland or sorry yes Finland had to double check that for a second um he took that kind of Olympic champion, that spirit, and produced it in human form. Uh, this was his not. This was not his first gold medal uh, chance on the podium. This was not his first time on the highest stage. Uh, he has two previous gold medals uh, from the past two previous Olympics, but this time, when he finished the first time, he's won the fifteen-kilometer race. 
he waited for all the participants to finish. And that included last place finisher Carlos Andres Quintan from Colombia. Not a strong cross-country skiing nation, uh, but he exuded what it meant to be an Olympian. Uh, Carlos uh, finished uh, almost 20 minutes behind uh, Niskanen, uh, which in cross-country, that's it's a long time because you're waiting out in the cold. Um, doesn't seem like a lot, but it definitely is uh, a, quite a bit of time. Uh, and he gave every single competitor kind of the time, a congratulations. And while waiting for Carlos, uh, you know, he had vests on to keep warm, but he was not going to go until he gave the admiration and respect to every single competitor in that race. And that is exactly what the Olympic spirit is all about. And him being the gold medalist, uh, the highest you can achieve, uh, it comes with that responsibility. And uh, he showed the world that that is exactly what you have to do. Because uh, just making it to the Olympics, whether you finish first or last, is an accomplishment in itself and deserves to be recognized. And that is exactly what Niskanen did, uh, showing that sportsmanship and uh, showing what a champion is being a champion is all about. And, uh, you know, that is exactly why the Olympics matter outside of everything else that goes into it. That is the basis of the Olympics, and that is what should be celebrated. All right, Kenzie, what is a story that you have? Um, I would have to say the whole conversation around mental health and sports. Um, while it may not be a kind of light topic, a fun topic, it is a, a story of the past year. Um, I know I brought it up in the year in review. We all did just to see these athletes, these superior human beings, as we call them, even on an Olympic level, being vulnerable. That's, that's something that it, it shows the human side of sports. It shows that these people are humans. They're not robots. They're not go out, compete, go home, repeat. Um, they're people. And we need to, as a population, we need to not be so hard on them when they fail or when they make mistakes. Too, we're too quick to judge these people. Um, and I think seeing a lot of these athletes, Venus Williams or Serena Williams, sorry. Um, Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles, geez, you could go on and on about the list of athletes who've mentioned mental health and their mental health struggles or their mental health journey or whatever that may be. Um, Personally, I'm a big advocate for mental health, mental wellness. So to see that it's happening in the sports world now, it kind of makes me smile. We're, we're now starting to talk about it. It's no longer a taboo subject. It's starting to be okay to talk about. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one of my stories that it kind of makes me feel good, but not makes me feel good at the same time. It's kind of a neutral story. The next one's a personal one, and it's really funny, actually. <laughs> Uh, Charles, what is your next? Oh, uh, Kenzie kind of took it a little bit. I was going to talk about, I was hoping to talk about the mental health and sports and the growth of the conversation behind it. Cause, uh, you know, the world doesn't get any easier day by day. It, it certainly gets harder and harder, especially with 
the technology and resources we have compared to what we did 40 years ago. This conversation never would have happened because no one cared. Suddenly now people care. And like Kenzie said, a lot of high profile individuals, uh, we can add in Carey Price, we can add in, you know, half the NHL who have come forward and spoken. Robin Leonard, one of the biggest advocates in, in hockey about that. Uh, it, it takes balls to, make, to let yourself show to be vulnerable because you are viewed by, uh, you know, a, a big percentage of the population in the city that you, that you play as all your home games and by other fans of you and people and observers of the game around the country and around the world, it takes balls to show yourself as being vulnerable when they see you as a superhuman. Because I know all, th- all of us here and everyone listening on the podcast, we all have heroes in sports. We all wish we could play like these guys. We all look up to them, you know, for setting examples to the standard of play and excellence. And for them to actually willingly say, you know what? I'm just like you guys. I just happen to be good at a sport, but I'm just like you. I have dark moments. That takes more guts than I think a lot of us actually understand. I, I'm not even sure if I fully understand how much guts it takes uh, because it's hard to admit that you're vulnerable. Um, sorry just to keep on Kenzie's topic there for a second, but I, I, I don't think it can ever be said enough. Um, as to any other good story, I think... Uh, you know, maybe trying to get a little bit more happy note. Um, the continued development of a couple of hockey nations that aren't usually viewed as top-notch, uh, Finland and Slovakia. They definitely went about building their Olympic rosters the right way. They didn't try and go for big names. They went for guys who played together, especially the Finns. And both countries were, reward- were rewarded with their first evers. Finland gets their first ever Olympic gold medal. And Slovakia got its first ever, I'm pretty sure it's their first ever medal at the Olympics. And uh, we touched on this, I think, last episode. Uh, you did, Justin. Both countries, when their teams came back home and landed, got like a, a, a superhero's welcome. Like if people could have put them on their shoulders and walked them through the, the streets, they would have. Um, th- th- those people, will, those, those, those athletes will forever be immortalized they'll they'll always you know be looked on fondly and everyone in those countries is going to remember where they were we all remember where we were in february 28th 2010 we all remember where we were watching that game and hearing chris cuthbert say and then calling crosby's goal after crosby yells for yells iggy's name uh we all remember where we were everyone in finland and everyone in slovakia is going to remember where they were when these countries won their first medals of their kind at the Olympics like that. And that's going to, you know, continue to grow the game. It's going to pave, hopefully pave the way for uh, legendary stories and for people to follow in their footsteps. And suddenly Finland, I mean, Finland is already growing into a superpower in hockey, but they may ascend to a level of like super, superpower up where Canada and the United States reside. Um, and Slovakia might, might join the conversation instead of being a tier viewed by the world as a tier two hockey country. So I, I think that, you know, the, the future, the, the potential that these stories have and that they have in the Olympics to grow actually is, you know, very warming because it's, it gives us something more to talk about. It gives us something to look at and not just be like, oh yeah, they're there. And it's like, oh, we have to pay attention now. I mean, 
those they just created 23 new heroes in those countries that kids are going to look up to and those names now are going to be well known in other countries and maybe even a debut to get some of those younger kids NHL contracts or drafted uh, in the next year or two. I know there's a 17-year-old Slovakian player that's now on the radar of many teams without these Olympics. You know, never would have played in Europe, yes, but to get on North America's watch, like from a traditional you know, nation that's maybe up and then gets relegated down and then back up is is big and you know we can never talk enough about mental health there's never not a time to talk about it um or just to listen and that's that's always the message uh one story i want to talk about is generosity and charity it's been in the nf nfl fan bases for a little bit that when something remarkable happens or a team defeats another team to get their team into the playoffs or knock a rival out, one fan base will donate money to that team as a thank you or as a, you know, sorry. And that continued these past playoffs. What could be deemed as in the conversation for game of the decade was Kansas City and Buffalo Bills game, playoff game, they want it. We wanted overtime to continue. It's going to be the game that maybe tips the scale to get overtime rules changed in the NFL. There's always, you know, a game every few years, but this one might, might be the one, you know, the bills mafia, probably the craziest fan base ever. And I, I want Buffalo to succeed for you because you are just so passionate fans. I'm not a Buffalo fan. I just enjoy watching how bananas they can get and how many tables they break <laughs> in, in the echelon of heartache after a defeat like that in potentially the game of the decade, it, it's tough when it's that huge of a game. It, you know, makes it even that much more of a sting, but the fans of Casey recognized how special that game was. Uh, not only for their special comeback themselves to win, but how special the Bills played in the year Josh Allen was having and everything. So this year's iteration in honor of Bills Mafia, who essentially started this community uh, charity act, uh, was Chiefs fan began to donate $13 to Josh Allen's charity in support of them, the game, their you know their competitiveness it you know doesn't make it any easier that they lost um but they were donating in 13 dollar increments because that's how many seconds the chiefs have we won't remind bill's mafia um but josh's charity is specifically linked to the children's hospital of buffalo which also uh looks after western uh new york um and in a matter of 24 hours, they raised $178,000, which is incredible. And in that heartache, in that notion of defeat, these little things in sports can just make something a little bit 
better, a little bit easier to swallow. And the amount of good that that money is going towards. Um, and even uh, there's a, a wing in the hospital named after Josh Allen's grandmother, the Neo, uh, Neo Care uh, wing, uh, because Bill's Mafia donated money to his charity uh, when she passed away. And she had such a connection to uh, the neonatal units. And all this just kind of comes full circle. And it wasn't the only community to raise money this season. I know um, some uh, Steelers uh, fans donated to the Raiders uh, Kickers charity. Um, and I think this is one of the coolest things to come out of rival fan bases. You wouldn't have expected it to come out of the NFL, uh, but there's, their fans are so passionate and they'll throw, they'll throw money at, you know, anything to show their support. And this is a great way uh, for them to show support for their team and give thanks or support to a charity of another team. Uh, it was just, you know, the best way possible that fans can say, Hey, this, you know, thank you for this, or, you know, it didn't kind of work out, but we still support, we like you, we support you and what you believe in. And uh, I think this is a way to bring the whole community of fan bases together while still maybe not liking each other for 60 minutes. Um, and it's just, it, every time it happens, it just brings a smile to my face and you kind of, it's now a competition to see how much money a fan base can raise in a short amount of time. The bar has been raised to $178,000. So it's going to be a tough, uh, tough to be, especially at $13 increments. That's a, yeah, it's, it's a lot of $13 donations. Yeah. Uh, so I can't wait to see what happens next and uh, what fan bases and how it all works out and how it comes to be. But uh, yeah, that's one of my uh, favorite stories to come out of the, the playoffs. Uh, Kenzie, what is your next story? My next story is actually about the, how can I put it? The teams that never win anything, finally winning something. <laughs> Um, Milwaukee Bucks got to start there. Um, they basically just, they did what the Raptors did. They grinded it out. They played hard. They played for each other. They wanted themselves a championship. It was kind of, that was great to watch in the NBA. Um, admittedly, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I did watch their run because it was kind of cool. Um, the Atlanta Braves, I know they win a lot, but they haven't won a lot in a long time. So Seeing them do it again, that was kind of nice. Um, the Chicago Sky in the WNBA winning the title. That was pretty cool. Team that never usually wins. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice to see, you know, not New England winning, not the Red Sox winning, not the Dodgers winning, all those big, big money teams. It's nice to see some smaller market teams finally breaking through and winning these titles in all leagues. It's usually yeah. just one or two every so often, but when it happens in multiple leagues across North America, that's when it's when, you know, sports isn't fixed. <laughs> exactly. Well, outside of FIFA anyway. Well, we don't. Yeah. Just yeah. like the country <laughs> that shall not be named. We, we won't talk. Sorry. about that. 
Low blow. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Charles, do you have another story to share? Uh, it's kind of touches off Kenzie, but I'll take it a little bit further. Just redemption. A lot of, a lot of individual players across a few sports this year who, who have been sometimes labeled as overrated or you know bad attitude, never going to win anything with that guy. A lot of guys shed that this year. A lot of guys got their – they finally got their due, their dues. And specifically, I'm going to kick off with two guys who just won the Super Bowl for the – their for, you know, well-deserved, and that is Matthew Stafford and Odell Beckham Jr. of the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Matt Stafford has got to be one of the most hard luck guys ever the first 13 years of his career playing for the Detroit Lions – he had a fantastic wide receiver in Calvin Johnson, Megatron, for those who actually pay attention to the NFL. But he never had an offensive line in front of him, never had a defensive line. They couldn't stop, they couldn't stop offenses, and he couldn't be protected properly. I mean, you remember a few years ago, he, he got sacked on a play and actually had a shoulder pop out and still actually threw a winning touchdown on that same drive. The longest um, continuous NFL films clip yeah i mean that that clip has been replayed a trillion times and will be probably replayed a trillion more before it's over before it finally runs its course but everyone always thought matt stafford was overrated even myself i'm like is this is matt stafford really that good like he puts up great numbers but he can never get his team over the hump is he really that good of a quarterback and this year he pretty much told everyone sit down shut the f up i am that damn good because he put up great numbers again in, in los angeles and he finally not only got his first playoff win, got his second and his third and a Super Bowl ring. So, like, it, it was it was one of the, probably one of the best re, best redemption stories going from zero to hero in my, in my books uh, in the space of one year. And you look at a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., who, yeah, a little flashy, maybe a little bit of a diva sometimes, but then again, it's the NFL. If you're not a diva, you know, are you really playing in the NFL? Um Going, went to Cleveland, could never get on the same page with his quarterback there. There was a lot of articles and a lot of film, you know, showing how the quarterback would be looking the wrong way, but Odell is freaking 15 yards wide open. No one's around him for a mile to get, the, get him the ball and you have a touchdown. Or the quarterback's looking for Odell, but he's running the wrong route. So they cut him. They release him. And everyone's wondering, what's next for, what's next for him? Or is he just going to retire? He goes to Los Angeles, and he said, I want to win a championship. Sure enough. Uh, now, he got hurt in the Super Bowl early on. Otherwise, you know, you know he would have been a big playmaker all game long, but he's got a touchdown in, in there, and he gets, he gets his ring. He gets redemption in the same year like, like Matt Stafford after, you know, always sometimes people wondering how good was this guy really. Um, you look at a guy like Steph Curry. People must say, why is he being – why does he need redemption? Well, Golden State was a dynasty for a few years, and then suddenly he got hurt, and people were wondering, you know, they were wondering, can he come back and still be the same guy? And he's come back, and it's like he never lost a beat. It's like Michael Jordan when he came back after retirement. He just – he showed it. He still was the GOAT. Steph is – and Steph has changed basketball. The three-point shot had died for years. It wasn't used anymore. And he comes in, and now everyone's got a – everyone – every team has a three-point shooter again. The, you know, the days when you had the, the Bulls 
had uh, Tony Kukoc who could hit threes, and they had um, uh, who you know Gary Payton and Sean Kemp who could hit threes. Those days are back, and it's made basketball a little more fun instead of just being the predictable slam dunk and alley oop plays and layups that it has been. Now it's you always wonder where's the next half court shot going to be hit from. It, 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 it does add a little bit more excitement. So seeing Steph come back and continue to change how basketball was played again and brought, almost bringing it back to what it was in the early to mid nineties uh, has been just wonderful because basketball has started to lag behind the other sports. Baseball has a ton of young stars that anytime they're on, they're on the field, it's, you know, Vladdy Guerrero, uh, Shawana Tani, yeah, Ronald Cunha Jr. And I could list out another dozen names easily. Anytime that they're on the TV, it's must-see viewing. And now their basketball is becoming that once again. So just the, the, the year of redemption for some individual players who were, people thought might have been overrated and seeing basketball sort of redeem itself and become more of a complete game again instead of just being a, a three-trick pony. It's remarkable how many times – you know, a player like, you know, proven players or even players that have the talent and you see it like a Matt Stafford, a Steph Curry, like, and then they're like, oh, like they're done. Like, really? Like, yeah. oh, they're coming back. Why are they coming? Like, people thought Steph Curry should have retired. They're like, oh, he has enough championships. Like, what does he have to prove? It's like, does it matter to you? What maybe he just enjoys playing? Like, what, what is it to you? Like uh, the talks of like Aaron Donald now. Well, why why is he retiring? He's at the top of his game. Well, maybe to him he won a ring. Maybe he like he's banged up. He plays a heck of a position. Uh, be so forceful at for so long for nine years. And it takes a toll on someone's body. And you know some of these players would like to live as long as possible. And the longer they play, these you know hard physical game especially a game like football you know i wanted to be a i wanted to be a professional athlete maybe play football i have a lot of concussions i decided that you know i would like to live maybe to 80 and not be a vegetable at 50 so you know people have different reasons but when professional athletes come back and they're like Oh, they got nothing to prove, or what? Why are they coming back? Or oh, they're going to be different. What proof do you have that they're going to be different? They got injured. You you know this player has work ethic that they're going to get back to a hundred percent, and you just saying this is going to make them be a hundred and one percent. And look what you did. You unleashed something that now you're complaining. Oh, Golden State's too good now. Well, that's your fault. <laughs> And I'm here to watch all the people cry their tears with Steph, Steph Curry's three points and the domination of Aaron Donald and Matt Stafford. You know, oh, why'd he leave? To, why couldn't oh, just shut up? Just happy thoughts. <laughs> so I'm going to take, well I'm going to introduce you to a name that a lot of people probably have never heard of. So uh, in the past few years, the name Sarah Fuller has uh, risen uh, in the football world as being, uh, you know, the first uh, female to score in a Division One game, 
in football. Well, I have another name to add to that, and that is Christy Elliott. She plays uh, for Simon Fraser University, which if you're in Canada, you're like, well, wait a second, that's a Canadian university. They play in the NCAA because they went U Sports, nope, NCAA. Now they don't play in Division One. Um, but uh, Chrissy Elliott has been on the team since 2019. Uh, she did not play, uh, and obviously last few seasons uh, were canceled. 2021 football return. She is not only the first Canadian woman to play uh, football, she's also the first Canadian woman to score in NCAA uh, and U uh, sports for that matter. Uh, she is the kicker for the, the football team. And this past season, uh, she scored two extra points uh, in a game. And there's a big shift that is happening in tackle football. Um, I know when I was growing up playing football, uh, there's, you know, occasionally there were girls that were playing um, and then at around eight years old, they would stop. They play the, the first, you know, really minor game or maybe that next level, the tyke, and then just stop. Well, uh, fortunately, I've had the chance to coach four girls on a, on a single tackle football team. My last year of coaching tackle football before the pandemic. And I've just seen a growth uh, in Canada and uh, something that will be coming down the pipe uh, in a future episode. Uh, we're going to be talking to uh, someone who actually does play tackle football over in Europe. And uh, they're not, uh, you know, 18, 19, they are uh, over 30. And so we're going to be diving into that, what it's like, especially in a country in Europe where, you know, football is not really uh, talked about the same way that soccer is. So there's a shift. And I think we're, we're very close to seeing the first woman professionally in a major league uh, play. Now, there, of course, there are leagues uh, starting up that are girls only and then, of course, girls integrating into uh you know the men's game but i think professionally uh we're going to see very very soon uh a woman uh sign just like we are seeing in coaching and front office jobs i think it's only a matter of time uh before we see this and it's they were never given in a sport like football they were never given a fair shake and it's great to see that this shift in you know why women don't have these positions and then the conversation well we're not just positions why aren't they playing because they can do it and mm -hmm. we're seeing time and time again the examples of uh these athletes and so i think it's it's coming and people like uh sarah fuller christy elliott they're they're paving the way and soon we won't have to talk about, uh, oh, the first to do this or, or the first to do that. It's going to be, you know, hey, we have eight roster positions uh, and uh, it's just going to be like no big deal. And uh, I hope we get there very, very soon. Kenzie, do you have another story? I got one more. Um, it came to mind kind of as you and Charles were speaking 
kind of a few minutes ago. Um, let's give some love to the old guys. <laughs> um, Phil Mickelson, 50 year old PGA champion, Tom Brady, 44 year old Super Bowl champion. Um, I looked up a few quickly while you guys were talking. There is a lady who has competed for three different countries at the Olympic level in gymnastics. It's insane. Um, eight times four, 32 years. Crazy. And she's still competing. Um, yeah, this, the old guys are not going away. They're sure they're getting older. Sure, they might be retiring or slowing down, but they still got it. <laughs> Um, for me being a kind of a big golf fan as well, seeing Phil Mickelson win that was kind of surreal. I was sitting, I was sitting at home watching that. Um, and it was kind of like, he's going to do it. Oh my God, he's going to do it. Oh my God, he did it. And I just, I just remember smiling and saying, he's, he's the, uh, the oldest guy to ever do this. <laughs> like that's, that's insane. Phil Mickelson of all people. Um, so yeah, just. Give some love to the old guys. They can still go. Especially in a game like golf where, you know, the you your image is someone skipping work on a Friday or retirees. And it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of clubs are, you know, maybe have an age limit too on members. And then you look at the, the pros and you're like, why hasn't anyone past this age won this? Or like, come on now. So the game's changed and evolved, especially on the pro level. And uh, I I think we'll, we'll see an older champion eventually as these new younger people continue on. Uh, No one wants to go to the senior PGA tour anymore. They want to, they want to stay down in the PGA as long as possible. Well, just because you're young and you can hit the ball in golf, you can hit the ball 400 yards. Doesn't mean you know how to hit it properly. So Age has that, that experience and they know how to handle the pressure. Youth has the power, but the inexperience. So you can never count out, never count out a guy with experience, never count out the old boys. You always see that at Augusta in golf at the Masters. The old guys are always at the top. Why are they at the top? Because they know where to put it. Mm-hmm. The young guys, yeah, I can drive that green. You shouldn't drive the green. <laughs> or, Stop watching Happy Gilmore. And... Yeah, or, or they go, I'm going to try this here and no you shouldn't try that you should lay up you should put it here don't try to do this crazy thing put it right here that's for the practice round that's not on that's not on round three when you're in contention and now you're not yeah because you decided i'm gonna go for the green and two and whoops you hit the creek and now you're shooting four (laughs) and you're not near the green you're in the drop zone (laughs) and uh uh-oh you're double bogeying now so Bye-bye. Also, another fun story. Golf season's coming very soon. Started to hear the commercials on the on the radio driving around. So yeah. That's uh that's when you know. Wouldn't that be a feel-good story to see Tiger playing again at some point this year? Yeah, a full tournament. That'd be great. Full four rounds. Let's go. Yeah, walking up, seeing that red. Just Sunday red. One more. If what a story. One more win. Oh. One more major. It just it it surpass what was it, 2013? The 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 comeback. 
before the back injury re-aggravated? No, yeah. it was later than that. Was it later than I'd? Yeah, it was, it was like 20, well, 2015. It wasn't that long ago when he had that last win. Well, it, it could be coming. It could be coming. Charles, do you have another story? Yeah, actually, uh, and we're seeing it more and more that started a couple of years ago, and it's now becoming almost run of the mill to see women in the front offices and behind the bench or on the field of major professional sports teams in this in, in, on this continent. Um, you know, it was a big deal five or six years ago when, you know, NHL teams and the NFL, they started hiring women to work on their athletic staffs women to work as uh, special coordinators or advisors, or, you know, you can run through the list of positions. Um, now you've got a female general manager in the Miami Marlins. You've got women behind the bench in hockey. You've got women on the field uh, as, you know, coordinators in football and you know, working. They're not just, you know, uh, behind the scenes roles. These are prominent in front of the camera roles. You've got female officials. You've got, uh, it, it, I could go on and on and on. And it is just wonderful to see finally that, you know, women are just as good as the guys are. There, 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 is, there is no argument to be made that, oh, men are better. No. We may be on average bigger, but that doesn't mean better. But it's just wonderful to see, uh, you know, and there's been quite a uh, quite a couple of reports I was reading earlier today, actually, you know, thinking about this. Uh, a few sports companies, um, a couple of agencies who have women in prominent roles, uh, when they were shut down during COVID and they weren't always in the office, they noticed there was actually a, a lack of productivity that the women seemed to out actually outwork the men when they're around. So. Keep that in mind. I mean, women are hardworking. They work their asses off to prove that they belong, and they have done more than they have done more than that. They 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 have they they finally reached a place where to, to prove that they belong, even though they, they never should have had to prove in the first place. But now now they have. Yeah, can't argue with that. Well. Well said. So my next story comes from uh, Tokyo 2020. Uh, in the javelin throw, uh, the silver medalist, uh, Polish javelin thrower Maria Andrzejczyk, uh, she decided to donate her silver medal to raise money for a life-saving operation of an infant boy. Uh, uh, herself a survivor of bone cancer uh, as a younger Kid. She knows the struggles that comes with these life-saving problems. She felt for little Milos, who uh, had a heart defect and would require a life-saving surgery going to the United States. Uh, without it, he would die. Uh, going to the United States for surgery in itself, paying for the surgery, big, big dollars. She knew the importance of helping uh, those who cannot help themselves using her platform and, uh, you know, the fact that, hey, if I put up this medal, people are going to bid. We're going to raise a lot of money. 
And so that's what she did. The winning bid ended up coming from Zabka, which is a popular grocery chain in Poland. And they uh, raised the money. Uh, the winning bid was 51,000 US dollars. And they went, no, keep it. We don't want your medal. Because uh, they knew the importance. They knew what she was doing. Uh, and uh, the whole community, her community was ready to pay uh, for a replica of the medal for her for doing this and the grocery chain went nope you keep it in addition to that the public raised an additional seventy six thousand five hundred dollars for little milosh uh and he uh they raised enough money for him to be able to get his surgery uh and then some to help him out afterwards and that is the power of what sport can do bring people together but that is also the power that uh, these athletes know they have and, you know, they don't have to, uh, but they, they know what they can do for their community and to help people and putting up something like an Olympic medal that is very difficult to win. And that might be your only shot of winning, just showing the importance of putting other people before. Yeah. I have Olympic medal. Like it's most likely going to sit in a sock in a safety deposit box uh, so nothing happens to it. Knowing that that's going to bring, uh, you know, this little boy a, a chance at life is just that's the power. And that's, uh, again, the Olympic spirit. Uh, but even more than that, that's just being a, a very good human being that wants to see good uh, for other people. Kenzie, do you have another story? Are we tapped out? No, I think that's all. That's all I had for today. I brought three. Charles, do we have one more story? Are we are we filled uh, up with goodness? <laughs> we got a full tank. You know what? There, there, there is one. It's not necessarily a, a special person or a special team. How about just the simple fact of fans being back in the stands across professional sports in North America? The COVID virus has taken two years of our lives and turned them into one long, bloody freaking nightmare. One thing after another. Lockdown, no lockdown, this mandate, that mandate, whatever. Finally, the NFL season came. You saw full stadiums. NHL. Yes, there's been some... There's some start, there's some fits and starts and stops there a couple of times, but we've seen we're seeing full buildings. Here in Canada, we've got full buildings coming to Montreal and Ottawa next week. Toronto's back to full buildings now. Uh, out west, they're back to full buildings. It, I think I mentioned this one or two episodes ago. As I said, especially when we're talking about the Olympics, it is weird when you see top-notch competition, but there's no one there reacting to it. We all know this. The athletes thrive off the, they live off that energy the fans create. Whether it's they're booing you and you and you're feeding off that, or they're cheering you and you're, you feel like King Kong on steroids. Fans in the stands is the best thing because for, whether you're watching the game at home, because we all can, we can all gather with our friends again, or you're at the arena. You're there for a common purpose and you're bonding 
you're having fun and just for three or four hours, however many hours the game lasts, the rest of the world doesn't matter. You get to forget about the world and just enjoy enjoy a good game. So I think that's probably my best feel-good story of the whole year after talking about everything else is people back in the stands. I will add to that. I will miss the uh, the legible chirping, though, <laughs> from the players. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's true. That, that I did enjoy that. That made me laugh when you could hear some of them. It's like, well, see, ooh, really? Now that we know what they're saying, now that we can't hear them again, we can, you know, we know we read lips and we know what they sound like. So we're like, ah, we know what you said. Yep. You can't deny it now. <laughs> uh, no, seeing, seeing yeah. the fans is, is nice. Seeing the fans and to double up on that, I guess my last good news story is all of you great listeners. Uh, you know, we don't make money off this. This is, out of our own goodness and love of sports and what it does to each and one of us. And uh, to have, you know, all of you that listen on a, a, a regular basis and then all of you that kind of check in here and there, those of you that have just downloaded this once and probably might not hear this episode, but uh, it's, it's a labor of love for all of us. And the fact that people keep downloading this is why we keep doing it. We're over 1,100 downloads. And it's just remarkable. I And sometimes even looking at the different countries. So we got, you know, our biggest audience is in the United States, which is shocking. Canada next. Germany is in third place. United Kingdom, followed by Ireland and Sweden. And then we go down the line, uh, you know, we've been downloaded at least once in Australia, South Africa, Hong Kong, Brazil, Japan, Nepal, Austria. Just thank you so much. Uh, you know, sports is a universal world language, just like math and music. Uh, you might not understand what people are saying, but you watch what's happening and it's poetry in motion. And uh that's how you can learn the rules without reading a rule book. So thank you for, for all your support. Continuous share us on social media, share us on whatever platform you use to, um, to listen to this. Maybe one day we'll have a Patreon and I can pay these fine people. Um, but until that point, this is a labor of love uh, for everyone involved uh, all the past guests, all the future guests. Um, and uh, we're, we're trying to find a Q&A. So if you have a question you want to ask anyone, any guest, uh, you know, from what's the weather to anything about sports to how to start up a podcast, let us know on our social media pages or give us a shout. Good old fashioned email is what the kids are saying these days. Email is old fashioned wherever we come to in our, in our lives, uh, sports United podcast at gmail.com. Um, let us know. And, uh, we'll be doing a Q and a episode very soon. And that's going to do it for this episode. Hopefully we filled your goodness tank to the full. No, uh, no need to pay us. Gas is already too expensive in this country. So, uh, thank you so much for taking the time and listening to us. Hopefully we made uh, your day slightly better and uh, 
you have a smile and you impact uh, whoever you can in your life. Hold the door, smile at someone, wave at a baby, don't make them cry. And uh, yeah, continue <laughs> being great people and continue watching sports. Go to a game when you feel comfortable because it looks like uh, we're, we're back. So thank you so much, gentlemen, for coming back once again. And uh, as always, stay safe and sport on. Um.